a new state-managed fund, Kanyaho's advice for the government, and transnet reforms incoming. All of this and more in this week's episode of Free Marketeers News. Hi all, Chris here with another news episode for the week ending 20 August 2021. Jump right in, South Africa has a hidden 600 billion rand safety tax and everyone is paying for it. The Institute for Economics and Peace, Economic Value of Peace 2021 report has ranked South Africa 21st out of 163 countries for its high economic cost of violence. The IEP measures the cost of containing violence in a country by tracking the money spent and income lost around 19 variables grounded into three co grouped into three co uses public and private money that could otherwise have been used more productively in society had not been for unrest. Four new taxes that could fund South Africa's national health insurance, including 20% VAT. A new report published by Trade Union Solidarity shows that the planned introduction of South Africa's national health insurance will lead to an estimated budget shortfall of at least 112 billion rand. This is significantly higher than the government's projections of a 32 billion rand shortfall and provides a more realistic figure of for, for what the system will actually cost, Solidarity said. However, the trade union said that even the 112 billion rand figure is conservative estimate, which only accounts for current public health care and private hospitals, with smaller private health service providers not accounted for in the calculation. Solidarity further warned that borrowing money to fund this deficit should not be considered before the country already because the country already owes billions of rands and cannot afford more debt. The trade union also believes the deficit cannot be supplemented by taxes either as the South African taxpayer is already overburdened. The solidarity's calculations show that the government could theoretically generate the 112 billion rand in the following ways. An income sur tax surcharge of 20%, a VAT increase from 15% to 20%, a payroll tax of 5,5%, increasing corporate income tax from 28% to 42%, or any combination of these. In a bit of international news, Cuba's government has approved small and medium-sized enterprises. On August 6th, the C Cuban Council of State approved a long-awaited law authorizing the creation of small and medium-sized enterprises. The announcement came less than a month after thousands of Cubans took to the streets calling for freedom and an end to the communist dictatorship. After a brutal crackdown, around 380 protesters are now in prison, awaiting trial on charges such as delinquency. It is part of what the government calls the perfeccionamento or perfection of socialism. Everyone else recognizes it as following a bit as allowing a bit of free enterprise to compensate for socialism's failures. In February, Cuba's Council of Ministers increased the number of trades open or to to self-employed people. Some 124 sectors are reserved for the state, but everything else is open to entrepreneurs. Even with the recent changes, the legal status of self-employed people is ill-defined. Applying for the necessary permits is a slog and can take ages. The rules are designed to keep self-employed people and therefore to keep them out of business, as it were, and therefore no threat to state-owned firms. They can only hire relatives or other self-employed subcontractors. They cannot incorporate, so there's no legal difference between their personal capital and their business capital. If the business goes bust, so do they. 
Despite these shackles, enterprising Cubans have flocked to start their own micro-businesses. Since 2010, the share of the workforce who are self-employed has soared from 3% to 13% or more than 600,000 people. Just over a third are women and a third are under 30. They are concentrated in the larger cities and most likely to work as taxi drivers or run restaurants and food kiosks. The new law, which still needs to be published in Cuba's official gazette, is expected to allow small and even medium-sized businesses to incorporate. Cuba's state firms are pampered, inefficient, and the main reason why the island is so short of basic goods. This, in turn, is one reason why Cubans have been protesting. Last year, GDP shrank by 11%. On our next item, uh, Reserve Bank Governor Leseja Kanyajo said that the South African government needs to stop with impractical promises to South Africa and start with with painful trade-offs. Speaking on Twitter spaces this past Sunday night, Kanyajo warned that, quote, warned against, quote, single-issue narratives, end quote, that want the central bank to solve all of South Africa's economic problems through monetary policies such as quantitative easing. He said pursuing maximum employment is not the South African Reserve Bank's responsibility, nor is it monetizing the country's fiscal deficit. He said that policymakers should be frank with society and stop making promises that do not make economic sense. People need to understand that there are trade-offs. He said that the choices that the government makes today will have a long-lasting impact on some sectors and certain corners of society. He said, and I quote, we might be making decisions which look good today and benefit us today, but put a burden on future generations. Policymaking is about choices. Society cannot have its cake and eat it too, end quote. The governor said South Africa needed to realize that it doesn't have the resources to do everything the government or society would like to see happen. Our next item, reforms of Transnet, a state-owned ports operator, owner and operator Transnet will seek 100 billion rand in private investment to expand its facilities in Durban and Kucha in the Eastern Cape. The announcement came on Monday and marks groundbreaking reform in the government's approach to state-owned companies in which private investment has not previously been possible. The investments are intended to to be made over the next 10 years and will expand facilities at the ports. Transnet CEO Porsche Derby told a briefing that the process will begin this week with an open-ended request for information. And she, neither she nor Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon, who also addressed the briefing, could say how the final ownership of the new infrastructure would be split between public and private partners. So while good in theory, we need to see how this is actually implemented and if private sector investment is allowed to operate. Uh, finally, our final news item for this week, A new government plan wants South Africans to pay 12% of their earnings into a state-managed fund. South Africans may be required to contribute up to 12% of their earnings to a new government-backed fund, according to a new proposal from the Department of Social Development. On Wednesday, the the department gazetted its green paper on comprehensive social security and retirement reform, which proposes the creation of a new national social security fund, a government-managed fund which will provide retirement, disability benefits, and unemployment benefits. All employees will, and employers will initially be obliged to contribute up to 12% of their earnings up to a certain ceiling, which is currently proposed as earnings of 276,000 Rand per year. This means that if you earn more than 276,000 Rand a year, you will pay a maximum of 12, 12% of 276 Rand a year, around 33,100 or 2,760 a month to the fund. The Green Paper suggests that a basic income grant should be launched at a level that will quote, that will at least lift the individual out of poverty, end quote. It also favors a universal grant instead of one that is means-tested. Treasury Deputy Director General Ishmael Momoniat said the proposal reflected some of the aspirations of the various constituencies in the National Economic and Labor Council. 
However, the publication of the Green Paper on Wednesday by the Social Development Minister Lindiwe Sulu apparently took some of Nedlac's constituencies by surprise. Momoniat said the proposal had not been tested against fiscal and tax policies. So, I mean, the idea to put out, to start a new government-managed fund elicited a lot of backlash, and it shows you how perhaps tone-deaf and out of touch with the South African public and the South African public's hardships the government is. With that, I will end this week's news episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We greatly appreciate your support. I hope you all have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you all again very soon. Until next time, take care.